everyone, and welcome to the Human Connection Podcast, where I have the fun and the pleasure of having polyvagal informed conversation with anyone who would really talk to me about it. <laughs> and to me, I have uh, Mel uh, Paul, uh, MD. Uh, Mel is a physician. He's the senior medical consultant uh, to the pain recovery program at the Point Malibu Recovery Center. And we want to talk today about chronic pain from a polyvagal um, lens, looking at um, Mel, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Me as well. It's great yeah. to see you again and uh, uh, can hardly wait to hear what I'm going to say. Yes. Um, I remember, <laughs> you know, uh, we met, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, uh, end of uh, August in the Oxford series, in uh, the master series mm -hmm. in Oxford. And you were part of the uh, panel on chronic pain. And that was like, I, I heard a lot of things and I was like, yes, this is so valuable. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I forgot everything that you've said. So I'm excited to hear it again. So maybe <laughs> take this Excellent. time. So, uh, no, how, and chronic pain for, you know, if I remember correctly, it's, it, it's a constant pain, then it's over six months. That correct? Correct. That's that's what you know defines chronic pain. Yeah, the actually it, it's between three and six months. Okay. Uh, it's it's actually leaning more towards three months uh, okay. in the 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 a formal definition, but it really means pain that hasn't gone away and is not going away, uh, long term, uh, un unremitting, uh, persistent. Which is many times in. Um, the cases of many people I know, medically, um, there's nothing wrong medically. There's no intervention that would kind of take it away other than managing it. So is that correct? I, yes. I, I mean, I, I'm uh, one of the perspectives that, that I bring to the idea of chronic pain is uh, that it is not in the in the body you know i say uh, tongue in cheek the tissue is not the issue mm -hmm. uh the issue is how the brain processes and in the medical equation that becomes less medical but in my estimation it's just as real and just as scientifically proven and just as cellularly organized and it's open to interventions but it's not Going after the the uh, abnormality in the, in the in the back or in the spine with surgery or uh, in the uh, shoulder, it's really about adjusting attitude, approach, perception, uh, uh, which is really the cause of suffering. Yeah, and that's because that's why I said it's medically. Because for many times it's like the back hurts, but there's nothing wrong with the back. So it must be something. So let's just numb the yeah. pain. So if we want to look at it from a polyvagal, which is nervous system uh, mm -hmm. lens, what is going on with this pain that yeah. would go away? Yeah. So, I mean, from, from a polyvagal standpoint, we know that uh, the vagus nerve is responsible for creating safety in the organism in the, in the being mm -hmm. and uh, there, it has different ways one is to curl up in a ball and play dead 
Another is to get activated and uh, agitated and fight or flight, run away. And the more sophisticated human way is to do what we call ventral vagal, which is co-regulate with another human using the from the from the neck up, in essence, the hearing and and visual cues and uh, sound, voice uh, uh, recognition, and you know the the smiles on our faces all create a sense of safety. Now, why is that important with chronic pain? Because chronic pain is, as with many other illnesses, diseases, is the profound distortion of sense of safety. So for people with chronic pain, the signal has come through and there's a variety of avenues that bring the signal, you know, whether it's trauma as a child or an injury or an accident or uh, trauma as an adult or all of the above. Typically, it's it's sequential traumas. But in, in essence, the, the brain, the nervous system has interpreted a stimulus as dangerous and the world is dangerous. And that danger signal does all sorts of things that are, that are dysfunctional, if you will, that cause inflammation and cause activation of certain cells that cause this painful sensation. And in essence, it really impairs the ability of the, of the individual to function normally. So it's, uh, I, let me see if I understand this correctly. So the, the chronic pain is a cue of threat to the body and it comes yes. from the lack of safety. Yes. And, and the analogies, we use a lot of analogies because when, when I present this to a patient, their initial response is, are you telling me the pain is in my head? And, uh, you know, this, I got that response from a, a patient who had headaches and I said, well, yeah, your, your pain is in your head. Where else is it? <laughs> but the implication is that in some way it's not medical, it's not real, it's not valid. And that source of disconnection from the, the experience in my body, from what other people see and, and, and tell me is, is extremely threatening. So, you know, somebody like this with a headache, chronic headache syndrome or low back syndrome or fibromyalgia, which is unexplained diffuse pain all over the body, goes into a medical provider and they're told that they're, you know, it's in their head, it's psychosomatic, they're overreacting. And the net effect is, of course, more threat, more uns unsafety. So the, it's a cyclical kind of event. It's quite, um, I've heard this many times, but now as you say it, it's like, it's quite an, almost an absurd uh, way of saying that if, if the medical, you know, or if the organ doesn't show anything and the person is feeling pain, then that's, they're imagining it or it's not real. But for the person, it is real, no matter what the, what it is, but uh, yes. because we, there's no, we don't see it as physicians. So, so how, how do you go about with getting that healed or that recovery from the chronic pain? Sure. Uh, because, you know, it's always, you know, it's symptomatic, treat the symptoms, numb the pain. Yes. We don't, yeah. we don't feel the pain, but if the, whatever it, the, the, the chemical that's been <laughs> used sure. 
that sure. that would uh, that, that takes the our sensation of uh, the pain away. If it's not there, the pain is there, so it's just covering it up. It's not really treatment. Yes, uh, a lot of lot of parts of that question or <laughs> to to unpack. But yeah. I want to go back to to one specific issue, which is physical pain and emotional pain live in the same place in the brain. Mm-hmm. So we can't differentiate the. In fact, there's an actual experiment where they did functional MRI scans of people's brains. So this is a, a brain when in pain, and they get, they uh, burn them with a heat probe. So they they actually burn their skin, and the response of the brain was in particular areas in the middle part of the brain. They then took a group of people who had broken up with a lover, so they had heartbreak. Okay. And they showed them a picture of their former lover and the exact same place in the brain lit up. So it, yeah. it's just one of many, many, many kinds of uh, pieces of data that show that when I am hurt, when I am afraid, when I am angry, when I am frustrated, when I'm depressed, when I'm guilty, that my brain is activated. And if I have a physical pain syndrome, my pain will either come up or it'll get worse. So it's really important to understand that for us and for the patient, the client, because if they don't understand that, then they're looking to the doctor to treat the pain with some tissue procedure. You know, people with back pain are best example. You know, they get injection in their spines and they burn the nerves and then they go in for a surgical procedure, which is Less than 20% of time, this is, is a back surgery helpful for chronic back pain. Yeah. Less than 20%. So, you know, the term barking down the, uh, barking up the wrong tree yeah. is, is really. Now, the other thing that, that's done you, you refer to is chemicals. So, uh, certainly, uh, in the States, the standard has been you come in with pain, I give you a prescription and the prescription will get stronger and stronger over the course of time because the body, the numbing effect is, te- is transient. Mm-hmm. So, and, and actually the body creates more pain when it's being uh, dampened down by an opioid medication, narcotic medication. So that's not a great solution for people yeah, with chronic pain. I think it's, it's a solution that has been, it's not just in the States. It's... yeah. Uh, let's deal with the symptoms. Let's just numb the pain yeah. and go on with yeah. life. So unfortunately, that's the case, yeah. And and interestingly enough, opioids, narcotics, treat emotional pain very effectively, temporarily. So when I take my Lortab or Norco or Hydrocodone is, is the generic name, it's probably how you might know it, or Oxycodone or Morphine, it makes me feel better. Yeah. It, it relieves all the the you know the noise in my head, if you will, that contributes to the signaling of the pain uh, stimulus. And uh, but but the downside of it is, of course, that it backfires. It doesn't last. It wears off. I become dependent and tolerant, and then it it actually causes inflammation in the system. So that's that's part of the the, the setup of the problem. So what can we do? We begin, I mean, I work at a treatment program where, and we are polyvagally certified, by the way, we're going to be the first 
treatment program in the United States that's officially certified by the Polyvagal Institute. Yay! <laughs> We're very excited. Um, in any case, we, uh, we start with a sense of safety. So from the moment someone comes to the facility, it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's very comfortable. And our staff is really trained in the idea of uh, neuroception, which is really sort of being sensitive to the signals coming from the body. And the, the start of polyvagal training for us was to, to look at our own bodies. So our exercises were what happens to me when I talk to you. And if you're a, a, a patient in pain, you know, what happens to my brain and my nervous system and how can I co-regulate whether it's with you or with some other staff people so that I can be present and really ventrally vaguely present and stimulate your sense of safety. And, and the cool part is that people resonate with that because it's true. You know, it's, it's, it's um, fundamental. It, yeah. it, what blows me away uh, about, you know, the polyvagal theory and the realization is that, and I think Dr. Porges have said that, I think he said that, I, uh, but it's like we're really emotional beings. We respond to, to the tonality of the voice, to the facial expression. However, we, for a lot of people, we don't want to admit that. We would well, we don't. We want to we don't see easy. it. We don't. It, yeah. we, we don't see it. And but even if we subconsciously see it, but we don't want to admit that that's the cause of us feeling uncomfortable. Or but but we think we're logical and very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it, what's interesting is this is part of the work. You say how how do we how do we impact a person and their nervous system? Well, the the very first stage is to educate them on what's what's so, what's true. The truth is, this is real pain, and it lives in your brain, not in your body. So, And sometimes it's a compromise to, well, of course, you have you know a, a knee joint that has arthritis. There's some signaling coming from that, but there's just as many knee joints that don't have arthritis that signal pain. So it's not just that. And, and as you begin to understand... The, the kind of science that you and I have just been dabbling in right now, the next step is to gather data to support the information. So with a curious eye, what, you know, is your pain always in the same place? I don't know. It moves around. Well, why is that? Well, cause I move wrong or, uh, you know, sometimes it goes from the left side to the right side. Well, how could that be? There's nothing wrong in the left side. Oh, you know, you know that's really true. And it's a very gentle opening process, a awareness process of what's so in in the body. And and just uh, we call it uh, Sherlock Holmes. You know, use a, a like a magnifying glass to see what's what's really going on. And the most important way to do that is is with no judgment, because uh, people really want it to be physical they really don't 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 feel comfortable with that uh belief system so it's it's a process of course that that opens doors and and it's it's very exciting to have somebody uh you know see it in 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 prison or or in a group setting and say oh you know i was surfing and i didn't have any pain yesterday it's like where'd it go 
you know, yeah. what, what, what was it's, different? Well, yeah. yeah. It's, I think one, one really important thing here is, I think, not a thing, is the validation of that mm -hmm. of pain, which I think with chronic pain and, you know, um, I think of also neurodivergence of sometimes when it's something, it's happening inside me, inside that, that client or patient yeah. and yeah. takes a lot to, to have put a lot of effort to convince the professional that it's true and it's not imaginary. So that, I think that's validation is like, oh, you see me, yeah. you, you yeah. leave yeah. me. I think that is yeah. unfortunately missing a lot from the general. I'm sure there are exceptions to, who, to doctor and physicians who would acknowledge the pain and give their patients the time, but it's not the general Role. It is not. When you mentioned surfing, I, I was looking at the uh, at the center yeah. and I found you know surfing uh, therapists and I was like, oh wow, this is only Come on. in Malibu. It's so Malibu, I know. So today is is surf day, but just so you know, it's not just surfing. They start out with a meditation and process to prepare uh, for what's happening because it's it's the water, it's the sand. It's the open air, it's uh, waves. So a lot of people have a, a connection in sometimes positive, sometimes not so positive ways. And then they enter into the water and with a surfboard or with a boogie board or, or neither. And some people are hopping up and surfing and other people are, you know, holding onto the board for dear life. But the really cool part is that the, at the end of it, they do a, a, the DBT, dialectical behavioral training exercise in debriefing about what came up in terms of distress, in terms of uh, polyvagal responses, and 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 ground in the process. So uh, it's it's a it's a it's a several hour process, and it really is very powerful. It's 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 amazing. So going back to chronic pain. <laughs> yes. So, yes. so with that, with an increased sense of safety, and um, how does that uh, changes the physiology of the of the body and the pain perception uh, in the brain? How yeah, so great yeah, question. Magical, and it's I call it. Yeah, well, it is the magic because it's really um, if you picture the chronic pain syndrome with the volume knob turned up inside the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. the the things that we do to create safety and stimulate ventral vagal turn the volume down. So we use it at our center, we use SSP, which is safe and sound protocol created by Dr. Borges. And it's an auditory program comes through earphones and it's just it, what, what the patient hears is music, but the, the music is infused with tones that are stimulating the ventral vagus. So people do that every day. They're, they're, trained on that with our pain psychologist, Les Aria, and they simply, it's not a conscious shift. It's a, it's a, it's a nervous system shift that's done by, by vagal stimulation. And we, we'd love to be able to scientifically measure the effect of that because Dr. Porgerson, so what happens, you know, do you think it's very difficult because we're doing 20 things, you know, that's one of 20 things that we do to people when they come in the door, the so, and, and all of the thing, all of the interventions that we do are related to finding 
safety. So we, we do a lot of breath work. Um, there are certain rhythmic breathing exercises, four, seven, eight, which is four in, hold seven, eight out, is a, is a stimulator of, of, of ventral vagus as well. Um, we do a lot of meditative practices. Uh, we have a director of holistic services who was actually in, I think you might have met her. She was with me when we uh, uh, were at, in Oxford. But anyway, Ashley is this gifted, blessed being, you know, who does sound baths with our folks and does yoga instruction and Qigong. And uh, so there's a lot of time to train the brain to create new pathways that stimulate safety. Yeah. Um, I have a question, just, just bring it also, because someone would say, okay, if it's, if it's in the brain, if the pain yeah. is in the brain, why is the, there's a, there's part of the body that the pain shows up there all the time, like, you know, neck, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. shoulders, yeah. back, lower back. If, if, why is it somewhere else? Why is it uh, in the same place? Yeah. yeah. If, if, if it's just in the, in the brain receptors. So there's a, a number of explanations, but let's say, for example, I just had a, a conversation with a friend who was, we, we did some work together uh, and she had surgery on her hand uh, wow. for arthritis. And she, we saw each other at a conference and I said, how you doing? And she's like, I'm miserable. I'm in pain all the time. It's way worse than it was before the surgery. I don't know what to do about it. And she was just at four months. So, it, you know, it was becoming chronic. And we had some conversations about safety and we did a process called somatic tracking. And somatic tracking is just a, a way of noticing what's going on. And th the fact is that she had surgery. So her brain interpreted that the surgery was meaningful and that it caused changes in her hand that were causing her to feel pain. When in actual fact, as we did some exploring, yes, of course she had surgery and, and it wasn't a normal hand, but the pain lodged in this abnormal tissue from, I mean, she was assaulted with a knife in surgery. Yeah. Yes. And I, she I, came out. Surgery you know, is a trauma to the body, and it's a exactly, huge threat risk. Exactly, um, a cue of threat. Yeah, and she was unexpected. It was unexpected. She had no idea this was going to happen. So it was it was shocking and extraordinarily unsafe. And in the middle of all this, she was working very hard, traveling here and there. You know, pressed to do this. In fact, we <laughs> tried to schedule some time to do a, a Zoom. And she didn't have the time to do it. I said, well, so that should really tell you something about, you know, how can your nervous system settle down and heal yeah. in the, in the throes of being, you know, running and challenged all the time because the sympathetics are activated. So long and the short of it is there was something in the tissue. So we don't deny that there's tissue, but it's the way the brain interprets the, the analogy. I don't think I actually said this out loud, but it's like I threw you a ball. And your brain thought it was a hand grenade. So instead of it's just a ball, yeah. your brain says, no, no, what's happening in my thumb and my hand is I, I'm going to be crippled and I, you know, it's going to go on forever and I can't sleep. And, you know, I made a mistake and all those emotional things are driving 
the pain level up. And I, I just met with her recently and she said, you know, one conversation that we had enabled her to really shift her perspective. And she's a very insightful, therapy savvy person, just enabled her to, to shift her perspective and say, it's simply a strong experience in my hand. And it's not, there's nothing really wrong. It's healing. It's taking longer than I'd like, but it's, and, and her pain experience has changed substantially. So it's not that I don't feel the pain. It's that the pain isn't as significant as, as it was before. Yeah. I think while you're talking, um, um, uh, the thought that was coming in my head is like that the materialistic world that we live in of, of seeing the body as a thing and it's it's a piece of meat you cut it and you do things and things should work mm -hmm. a certain way and there's the link between or the wires between the brain and the and and that organ that mm -hmm. uh, uh, part of the body is sensing no this needs this is an emergency that's and right. On That's top right. of it, the speed of life that we want to live in is like, I, I need it to heal and I need it to heal right now. Oh, yes. Impatience is a big and, challenge. And the body needs time. It's much slower, but yeah. it does amazing things. So, it does. Well, you know, so is it simplistic to say that, you know, uh, cues of uh, safety, environment of safety will lead to recovery. Uh, of course, there needs to be stimulating kind of uh, mm. interventions along the way to increase that sense of safety. But mm -hmm. is it that the, the core ingredient in recovery? That I believe it safety? is. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, you fed me that question. So I'll answer it as yes. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, you know, to watch somebody who suffers so much get what we're talking about and internalizes and and then experiences is is phenomenal. So, and, and you know, typically, it, if somebody suffered from a situation and has trained their brain over the course of a decade, it's not going to, you know, reverse itself a hundred percent and stay. 100% reversed. So it's not uncommon to see people, sometimes I'll get a call from a patient and he or she'll say, oh my God, you know, I had a flare up of pain. Uh, and we actually call the, the term for that in the, in the field is it's called an extinction burst. And it's basically, you picture that brain that thinks, you know, the brain has misinterpreted. The brain believes I need the pain to tell me something. Mm -hmm. And that's not the truth. You know, I need pain. If I break my leg, I need pain to tell me my leg is broken so I don't walk on it. If I have low back pain from a bulging disc, I don't need it. I mean, I have the low back pain. And as we talk and I get engaged, I have no pain. And when I bring it up, I'm more aware of the pain. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go to the gym and lift weights later and I can walk miles and I can hike, I can climb. I, I mean, I'm, it, it, but my pain, my brain sort of, it, 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 if I allow it, if I don't do my work, it, it becomes, it's like a magnet, you know, it's, we say it's, it's kind of like crack cocaine, you know, it's like my brain wants to say, no, there's something wrong on my back and I should lie down. And 
when in fact that's the worst thing for me you know i, I need to get up and move so uh yeah the the brain the brain is really interesting and it it is trying to serve the function so you know from a polyvagal standpoint the brain feels like it's under threat it's not but it's under it feels like it and it responds as if there's a threat so and depending on my level of of evolution and my level of practice I'll either curl up in a ball. We have a, a young man with chronic fatigue syndrome, and that's what he does. He goes to bed and spends at home. He was in bed 22 hours out of the day, couldn't get up. And and in treatment, <laughs> you got to go. You know, there's breakfast in the morning, and there's yoga, and there's groups, and there's you know outings and beach walks and surf on Fridays. You know, he can't stay in his room. And as he begins to mobilize his body mm. and find out that it's still safe, you know, uh, and, and for him, his sympathetics were also very activated, but he's, he's doing a lot of ventral work right now. Uh, and it's against the, the grain, you know, his grain is, I want to go lie down. And I say, yeah, I know you want to go lie down, but get up. Yeah, because that's that's uh, again uh, where uh, the body felt safe at some point. That's right. Life. That's right. I want to come back to you know what is pain. If you want to define what the functionality of pain, you said you know uh, you break a, a leg, uh, there is pain. Yes. The body is telling you, "Hey, you need more attention." So, what is the functionality of pain? Why the the nervous system and the brain creates uh, yeah. that the nervous system creates pain? Yeah. It, what the we have to break the, the question up because if we talk about acute pain, mm -hmm. which is time-limited, tissue-related signal that says something's wrong, protect it. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's what pain is really about. That's what God gave us pain for. But chronic pain is not that. Chronic pain is long-term. It's not related to the tissue. It's related to the brain's interpretation of what's happened to the tissue. It, it, and it's not functional. So as I, the example that I gave with my back, my back is not, it, it's not a helpful, useful signal. It's just a pain in my back. It's just annoying. It's frustrating. It's, you know, uh, irritating and uh, depressing. And oftentimes one of the worst things that happens to people who have that pain signal is they withdraw. And of course, as from a polyvagal lens, they don't co-regulate. They're all alone with their own endangered nervous system you know misinterpreted endangered nervous system which feeds on itself so it's really the isolation is a huge part of the the processing of, of the or the worsening of of chronic pain syndrome and one of the things that we see is that it's uh I, it's hard to have self-esteem you know and i feel so bad about myself and nobody wants to be around me and you know sometimes that's true yeah. Who wants to be around somebody who's complaining all the time? But all of that falls into a different category than that functional pain that you asked about. Yeah, the functional brain there, it, it's timed. It's like any of our responses, the sympathetic or, uh, or the dorsal. It comes for a reason and it goes back. But yes. So, yes. so you mentioned getting you know, the back. So for someone who has um, back issues uh, or mm -hmm. chronic pain and and would go and let's say for a run, and that and the body it, it feels like oh this is threat this is um, mm -hmm. 
experience pain, the most people would say, okay, I need to stop doing what I'm doing. Yes. Because otherwise it would get worse. Yeah. So a couple of points there. One is that it, it oftentimes people have done something, it's had a response and they say, oh, if I do this, that's going to happen. So I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So it's fear avoidance, which goes back to the sympathetics. In actual fact, what I offer somebody is an opportunity to try it again, because maybe the circumstances where you were running on an uneven surface and you ran a particular way or uh, had a particular night's sleep, you know, today's a different day. And what we're going to do is we're not going to run. We're going to walk. And if you feel well enough, then we're going to fast walk. And if you feel even well, we're not going to run. We're going to fast walk further. And so it's, you know, the, the expression of baby steps, it's really reintroducing activities to the nervous system that have been abandoned and, and then responding to cues in the body, which if it's, let's say it hurts, you know, it's aching. Okay. So what do you, what happens when you stop, you know, and then you start walking again, you know, well, it's, it doesn't hurt anymore. So we, again, that Sherlock Holmes data gathering, what can I do? And the real key here is like in yoga, yoga, we work with the edge, right? We get to the edge and then we pull back because it hurts. And then we don't stop. We just re re engage the edge and that over time, the edge expands. And that's really how the consciousness is. And that's really how the the, the, the vagal nervous system, you know, if we let the break, the vagal break off just a little bit and we, we feel that energy that, you know, we have to, we have to miss we have to reinterpret what those signals are really about because that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like, you know, the body is sensing that whatever the state of threat is, so it's contracting more and with, you know, contraction yes. makes muscles yes. uh, less, yes. you know, less loose, less everything. It's yes. it's that, you know. <laughs> and, and and we don't breathe normally. Well, and we don't breathe. Uh. Yes, uh, absolutely. And that's, I think it's most evident in, in, in birthing where, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. That's, that's a whole different conversation. But that's, it is, it is. But relaxation in that sense of um, safety uh, would make the, the body functions, um, really, um, well. So, you know, it's how, other than the clinic, you know, which yes. is, you know, set up, um, for people who are at homes with leading busy lives, uh, doing things they can't afford the, um, the time or the money or the effort or the resources to find that environment, what would be the baby steps that would, they would take? Because that's essentially what would be really useful. Yes. Uh, you know, there's a, a number of resources. Uh, one is an app called Menda, M-E-N-D-A. Uh, and they can find it online on in the app store on Menda Health. Uh, that was created by our pain psychologist, Dr. Aria. Uh, and it goes through everything that we've talked about in extreme detail. It uses uh, Richard Schwartz's internal family systems. It uses acceptance commitment therapy and a whole bunch of, of 
clinical tools to, to make sense out of the pain experience. Um, there's a book that I'd recommend. I have a book called uh, The Pain Antidote, which is it, it's pretty good. But a more recent book is called The Way Out by Alan Gordon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Way Out by Alan Gordon. And he describes pretty much what I've described, which is he created a, a, a form of therapy called pain reprocessing therapy and uh, describes a study in that book of people who had 11 years of back pain and after six weeks of this therapy, which is done outpatient, by the way, uh, their pain was reduced by 80% and it, it lasted over a year. Uh, and they actually showed changes in the brain as a result of the therapy. So P PRT or pain reprocessing therapy, uh, they have a, a really robust website as well with a lot of information. Uh, there's, I mean, they have a, a pain psychology center where people can access care virtually uh, through therapists. Well, uh, uh, we're coming to the end of, uh, uh, of this, unfortunately. Yes. I still have so many questions uh but yes. uh, um uh, to end with a with a happy kind of a good yes. optimistic note um cases or like stories that even you understanding everything that you've talked about um and i'm assuming there there are you are like oh wow this this really works <laughs> they, like, yeah yeah yeah. Any 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 of those that comes to mind, of course, uh, without putting a lot of info out, but or a personal so, story. Uh, well, I'd, so I so to to end on a positive note, I would say one of the key components for uh, intervening with chronic pain is finding the joy. Mm. Uh, connecting with the positive affect, we call it, because so often pain has sh shrunk down the, the version of life that people have. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and uh, Joseph Campbell, who was a, a famous philosopher in the last century, said, uh, find the joy inside and the joy will burn away the pain. But, and I believe that that's yeah. that's the ventral. That's the ventral. The power of the ventral. It's, it is it. Yeah, it. I remembered one thing out of that panel, and I think I think you mentioned it. Uh, the groups, the power of groups. In yes, management. Can you do yes? Because uh, I think you said that you know uh, group work when it comes to chronic pain have shown is 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 amazing. It is. I mean, we do both individual and group work in, at our center. Uh, the group is based on how many people are in treatment, but Menda that I described is done in groups. And there's a couple of things that happen in groups. One is I hear my story, but I don't have the personal, it, it, it's not my story, it's your story. And I'm sitting next to you. It's like, oh, and that's called identification. You know, it, dif it diffuses the, the, uh, conviction that I'm flawed and that I'm terrible and that I'm uniquely awful. And I hear five people in the group and I had one patient said, you had how many surgeries? 30 surgeries. Wow. I only had three. I thought I was bad off. Um, the other thing is, you know, in a group, people do process whether they're speaking or they're hearing. So it's, 
it's it's an opportunity to let work get done that uh, difficult work and and I hear in your words my experience and it and it makes sense in a different way uh, and and then the third thing is it's co-regulation yeah. group is about I can see people I you know we use a lot of uh, kind of irreverent humor in in the process as well so because people are so dour and they take themselves so seriously and have three or four people or five people in a group who are having a guffaw over you know some some absurd concept is really pretty cool yeah i think that's one of the biggest takeaway i've uh, i i had with the with the the conference in oxford is the power of groups and we do need each other mm. to to heal um, one one last thing. I, I know I keep saying that, but this is really the one last thing. Your favorite cue of safety in your daily life? Huh. The breath, the breath. Yeah, and we we combine. I combine, and our patients combine breath with with ac- action. And so you know, this is a a nurturing action, just sort of you know, pressure on the sternum that is really. It just engages me in, oh, right, I'm here. This is my body. This I am present. And it's kind of nice, you know. It's kind of nice. And, and, and it's, it's a natural thing that the body does when we're, we, yeah. we do it intuitively. So uh, yes. Yes. the body yes. Uh, has uh, an amazing ability if we just let it do its thing and give it more safety. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's fun. Um, Great and, interview. And um, I wish you the best. Hopefully, I you know love to come to Malibu. Yeah, not as a client, but I would. No, no, we'll get you on the on a surfboard. It sounds awesome. Thank you very much for your time. And where do people find you? Uh, The the pointmalibu.com is uh, the website for the treatment center, and uh, I'm available there. And then I have Dr. Mel. DrMelPole.com as well. Okay. It's my website. Okay. Thank you very much, Mel. Have a You're good welcome. Day. It's great talking to you. Bye. Bye.